Cork's Red FM. Good evening, folks. Hope you're all well on this Sunday evening. Roy here with you until 7pm. And we have a very, very special show coming your way between now and 7pm. Coming up, we are going to hear from the Cork Hurlers with a great win today over Limerick, making it two wins from two for the Rebels in the Munster Hurling League. So we're going to hear from Pat Ryan in just a little bit. What a night it was last night for Bally Giblin. All-Ireland champions celebrations currently ongoing in North Cork. We're going to hear from the Ballygiblin camp a little bit later on in the show. And we have the very first episode of a special new series that we've worked on with Cork legend Valerie Mulcahy. It's called Hear Me Roar. It's going to be happening over the next six weeks. Going to give you details on that in a second. You're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. I'll give you details on that. Now, we've recorded a special series with Valerie Mulcahy. It's called Hear Me Roar, where Valerie speaks to six inspiring athletes about their careers, their lives, what motivates them, what keeps them going. It's uh, a very, very enjoyable series, if I do say so myself. Valerie and I have worked very, very hard on this over the last while, and I'm delighted to be able to present episode one later on this evening. It is the former professional golfer, Lisa McGuire. We're going to talk to her about her career, what got her started in golf, why she stepped away from the sport, studying dentistry, uh, being Lona's twin, plenty more besides. It's a fascinating, fascinating chat uh, with a trailblazing Irish golfer. So first episode of Hear Me Roar coming up in about 25 minutes time, just before half past six. So be sure and stay tuned for that. Just going to recap all uh, today's action. Going to start uh, with the Premier League because Arsenal 2-0 up on Tottenham in the North London Derby. 72 minutes on the clock. They're going to... Uh, it's going to be uh, eight points clear at the top of the table for Arsenal if they can stay uh, that way. Uh, ahead of Manchester City following Manchester United's win in the derby yesterday. Elsewhere today finished Chelsea 1, Crystal Palace 0, Newcastle United 1, Fulham 0. In the Scottish League Cup playoff, uh, the semi-final I should say, Rangers have beaten Aberdeen 2-1 after extra time. And there'll be Rangers against Celtic in the final in Gaelic Games and a great day for the hurlers and footballers today the Cork hurlers uh, making it two wins from two in the Munster Hurling League they've beaten the All-Ireland Champions Limerick uh, by a single point in Porky Rin 20 points to 116 uh, thanks for late Brian Hayes point there right at the death uh, down in Porky Rin Jeremy McCarthy was there for us going to hear from Cork boss Pat Ryan about that game and the start of their year very very shortly now Cork going to face Tipperary in the final that'll be next Sunday elsewhere finished Clare 124 Waterford 219 a two point win uh, for Clare there Cork's footballers also making it two wins from two uh, they had a 210 to eight win over Clare in the McGrath Cup so Cork will play Limerick in the McGrath Cup final on Wednesday 18th of January this coming Wednesday that'll be at 7 o'clock venue yet to be confirmed for that one uh, Fossa of Kerry have beaten Tyrone's Stewartstown Harps and 19 points to 113 in the AIB All-Ireland Club Junior Football Championship final six red cards in that game at Croke Park so some of the uh, challenges there some nasty stuff uh, being thrown around with six red cards in that game Rathmore of Kerry making a double uh, for the Kingdom up in headquarters they defeated uh, Galbally Pierces of Tyrone 111 to 11 points 
in snooker and Judd Trump and Mark Williams going head-to-head in the final of the Masters. After the afternoon session, Trump leading by five frames to three. They'll play to a finish tonight. First to ten will be the winner there. In golf, continental Europe have beaten Great Britain and Ireland 14.5 to 10.5 to win the Hero Cup in Abu Dhabi. Elsewhere in cricket, Zimbabwe beating Ireland by four wickets in the deciding game of the T20 Nationals in Harare. Host winning the series 2-1. And a great day for Cork's Davy Russell as he tasted victory on his return from retirement. 43-year-old steered the Gordon Elliott-trained Safir home today at Punchestown. We're going to start the show with that win for Cork today. Two wins from two. A great win against the All-Ireland Champions today in Porky Rin. Uh, 20 points to 116. Jeremy McCarthy at the game. You heard from uh, Cork boss Pat Ryan. Fellas who come on um, gave us a good bit of um, impetus when they came on, you know, which made a big difference to us, you know, so delighted with that, you know. So um, look, look, building on our panel all the time, finding out about a couple more new fellas that have come into us and a lot of good performances there. But look, obviously, look, we're heavy pre season, heavy training and stuff like that, like, so uh, um, look, look, there's only one game. Yeah, and uh, what was the feeling at half time? Like, you've been ahead by three on a couple of occasions and gave away cheap enough goal, I suppose, but yeah, still, yeah. still leading. Yeah, I gave away a cheap enough goal, yeah, and, and look, look, I suppose we were happy enough at half time, really. Look, we did, we did a lot of scores a lot of shots a couple of wides and stuff like that you know and we'd held them to limited shots in, in the first half but uh, look um Look, we, look, we needed to uh, up the small, but in the second half, they came out of the blocks. In fairness, fairly, fairly lively, and we gave away probably our, I think, the free count was nearly four times against us. You know, which, which, which is amazing for Cork to give way more frees than the opposition. But, uh, um, but look, look, delighted with where the lads finished in, this, in the engine. And look, obviously, look, this, it's always nice when you come down there. There was a bit of atmosphere towards the end yeah. of it, and, and look, we got a couple of great hooks towards the end. Yeah, that we're asking fellas to chase last causes and stuff like that. So, uh, delighted with that aspect. Of it. And being able to just play a final now, like I know, obviously, it's not the most prestigious competition. Play all year, but for, for lads, like it's just an extra step and an extra match against. The yeah, team, like. yeah, exa- ex- exactly. Look, I suppose. Look, we look. We would have had a com- we would have had a, probably a challenge game lined up for next week. And look, this is a much yeah. more competitive game where you can judge fellas better. And look, obviously, we've uh, we've got a few fellas of us at the moment with 38, 40 players that kind of way. So obviously, that'll have to be cut down kind of during the middle of the league that kind of way. So this gives us a great opportunity to look at fellas in in a, in a game that's viable. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Look, we've a lot of fellas they're playing for skipping and stuff like that. But look, it's that's, that's the joys of it, and we just train manage it as best we can uh, um, look obviously we've, we've two with UL and we've 12 or 13 with UCC and 5 or 6 with CIT but uh, I suppose they're playing next week at least CIT and UCC have a week off then um, after the following week so we'll see where that goes then look we'll just have to plan as best we can yeah he was yeah yeah look Brian look, look, he showed up well look, look Brian is only kind of back training really but just two weeks he came back with a kind of a bit of an injury from, uh, from Black Rocks so, or from the, the Bears county final obviously playing you know, he had a fairly heavy schedule there we're hurling in football there all the way into two county finals so look you can see look he's, he, he gives us a bit of a different dimension and he's very sharp and look he two great goal opportunities there he'd be disappointed he didn't take himself but look he got two great scores and worked his socks off for us you know and uh, to know he'll get better and better you know Just looking at the first league not available I'm not too sure really to be honest look, look obviously look Mark Holman and, and Alan Connolly will be our Alan Connolly will look I don't, they won't take any part in the league right so look we'll, we'll see most fellas will be, most fellas will be kind of injured we'll be back over within the next two to three weeks but look we need to get them back on the field get them conditioned properly get them uh, managed rightly so um, look obviously we'll have three or four different fellas that might be missing as regards might be available for the Limerick game but I think that's the same in every county you know
Just on the Fitzgibbon, uh, lads, how much of a balancing act is that? Because it's very easy to put them over the top if you're doing too much. Or Yeah, it did look, look, look tis, I suppose. Look, it, it, it's trying to see where they're at. Look, we, we didn't bring on one or two, two fellas there today and we rotated them off, not maybe training during the week and try and manage them, manage them away from contact and stuff like that. Just keep them just kind of doing a bit of conditioning work. So, look, look we've good strength and conditioning there and good, good physios there, so we'll try and manage as best we can. Just the, I know it's a, a league game or a Munster league game, but getting the result in the manner that she did when no, tensions were up there, you know, it's good. It's you know, it's only early in the season, but it's a good sign to be. Yeah, look, look, look. I suppose look, what we wanted to do. Look, any time we found the cock jersey, look, you were, you were expected to perform. Like, and you could see that with with Limerick, they had a lot of changes today. And look, that's the kind of level they're at. Yeah, all of their fellas performed. You can see the high level of effort they were putting in the tackling and the physicality that they brought to it. And look, you you can think of the fellas that are missing the manage the physicality that they bring. So, look, I suppose my first time being up close with again in kind of five or six years, and you can see the physicality has gone up another notch since I was involved in 2017, 2018. You know, do you notice a? You do notice. A massive oh, huge difference! Yeah. Huge, huge difference in physicality. Um, huge difference in the hits that are going in. And look, look. Obviously, you're dealing with more well-conditioned men, bigger men, and stuff like that. Like so, it is. Um, it is definitely going to weigh up. Yeah. Did that take you back a bit? Like just to see how much has risen since you were there last. Um, yeah, well, look. I suppose you see, you see, you see it on the in the stands, and you see it up mm-hmm. there. You know, but when you get down close to it, you can hear the frosty of the belts, and uh, it has gone up an awful lot. You know. Are you happy overall where you are at this time of year? It's still very, very early, but you're looking at a lot of players. But are you happy with today and just the progress that individuals are making? Yeah, we're look very happy with the way lads are, um, are 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 buying into what we're asking to do and trying to change. And look, we're trying to change a couple of things like that. So we do want to get do want to get over the top with it. Looking, like an awful lot of this, we take over a new group is building relationships with players, um, them them getting to understand what you're asking them, and you know building a bit of a team spirit and a bond there. And look, that's going well. But look, this, look, it's very early days, you know. But look, our, our focus really look is trying to keep building that bond, keep building that panel getting the lads to buy into what we're doing we haven't done a whole lot of stuff on tactics really just looking for effort and work rate and commitment and we got an awful lot of that today but look there was lots of aspects of our play from puck outs and you know turning over puck outs and stuff like that that we wouldn't be happy with but look you couldn't expect it because we haven't worked a whole lot on it you know? and it's Cork boss Pat Ryan there speaking after today's win over Limerick 2 and some 2 now for the Rebels 20 points one sixteen. that's how it finished earlier on today let's hear briefly from the Limerick boss John Kiley a lovely day for a game conditions were excellent I think both teams really went after it and wanted to, to get the victory here and uh, there was very little between the two teams really right throughout and Cork just got those a uh, couple of scores in the finish just to squeeze it out so um, from our perspective really really happy with the attitude of the players today I thought they worked extremely hard we battled for everything and uh, we got a few young lads who you know are after joining us there last year and this year uh, onto the pitch and got some good game time into them and I think that's a, a fantastic experience for them today to have had and you mentioned obviously experimenting four debutants today overall were you happy with, with those lads? absolutely happy with the entire group I think everybody contributed today uh, just it's, it's, a, it's a good in, um, omen for us from a, an attitude perspective you know if we can build on that now going forward I think we'll be very happy with that it's a tricky one John coming from where you were for 10 days there coming back to here we mad fraction listen I wouldn't say tricky it's just you know you haven't an awful lot of work done this week you know you, you, you have a bit of work done but you know you haven't any hurling done or not a lot of it any done so you know you're kind of going into it in the blind if you like but you know listen from what I saw out there today I'd be very 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 happy with the way the boys you know, engaged in the game the whole day. In fact, you know, everything was, you know, the rest was superb throughout. And uh, I think, we, you know, we used the ball well. We supported each other on the ball. 
we worked hard when we didn't have the ball uh, we created a lot of scoring chances we didn't get, take them all but uh, listen that's not the point of focus at the moment you know uh, I'm not worried about the boys at the moment it's just creating chances taking them on having the, having those opportunities yeah. did, you, did you take a, did you do put in a decent block then go on your holiday and come back at Britain we did a couple of weeks yeah. before Christmas yeah absolutely like everybody else yeah um, so yeah listen we've a bit of work done before Christmas but lots to do that's John Colley there, there my boss speaking after uh, today's uh, defeat to Cork certainly happy with the performances I put in today at uh, very early stages yeah but look good to see Cork make it uh, two wins from two and um, good to see the footballers make it two wins from two as well following up that win over Kerry uh, with that win over Clare to set up the McGrath Cup final which will be happening uh, this coming Wednesday um, they'll play Limerick in that Wednesday, uh, final Wednesday uh, venue yet to be decided but it's going to be Wednesday at 7pm for that one I'm just going to look back last night and historic night for Bally Giblin as they were crowned the AOB All-Ireland Junior Club Hurling Champions they defeated Eski of Sligo 116 to 10 points the second half performance from Bally Giblin just brilliant in the way they managed they had the half hour and got scores on the board and just kept these out. I thought Bally Giblin were absolutely absolutely brilliant last night uh, Dennis Hurley was there and uh, spoke to uh, Ballygillan boss Ronan Dwan at the full-time whistle it's, it's as well as an all-earning final can go really like you know you said to me on the phone during the week you wanted to get the good start you got that and you never let them come close yeah. and three points after that like you, you always look to be in control yeah I suppose look we got a fantastic start you know from the, from the, from the throw in you know, you know Mark Brock throw in you know, you know no better man than Dara to be at the end of yeah. you know, to, to finish it off um, yeah look I suppose look we scrappy enough to after that or look to be you know like you know we probably had a couple of points lead but you know we didn't play that well the times in the first half but you know we were still tipping away and getting the scores uh, yeah so, you know we were happy enough and like in at half time we were up five points you know, but, you know we hadn't played that well and we said we needed a bit more energy and a bit more hunting and chasing you know we kind of let them out a little bit easy but we were still in a good position to be five points up but you know just a bit more energy and you know a bit more you know that it was in all Ireland and you know like, we were going to do you know in the effort of uh, trying to win it you know so you know we kicked on a little bit of the second half and as I said we were very solid at the back you know we, yeah and, you know backs have been good all year and you know we, we set up well enough and um, you know they got in the county semi-final and final we conceded a goal we haven't conceded a goal in Ireland the rest of the games and look at it you know it's possible you know solid enough at the back and then, unless they get a goal it's going to be hard for them to come back yeah Eastgate were great a good few chances there in the first half but I suppose you know you were putting pressure on them so they worked they worked they worked yeah, yeah. and then the second half then you clamped down on them completely and you were I think you could they created probably about half as many chances in the first half so you know yeah. like I said defence was key wasn't it yeah defence was key yeah look, look until they were a very good team and Rory McHugh who kind of played the forwards all along even though he was sent back for for Sligo in, in the county like he, he was number 10 playing in back and you know they were to get the ball out and play yeah. and do overlap and they, they were dangerous and you know they had a couple of ways that you know they could have been a lot closer at half time you know but um, yeah like they, they seemed to kind of snatch a few chances like the goal probably rocked them a bit in that they, they, they yeah. kind of panicked when they didn't really need to like yeah, yeah, and, uh, but, but you know Joseph got 10 points today like You've, you've had someone kind of yeah. rise up every match but yeah. it, and it, it's a different fella every yeah. time like you know f- for a, a junior session to media team like yeah. it's a great asset to have so many guys like that yeah we've very good forwards like you know they can score as you say Joseph like great scores today from play inspirational scores and, yeah you know like, like Cahill or Darrell or Shane or whatever can, can come up jumps on another day like you know so look you know it is you know it is great to have that range of scoring power yeah. forwards yeah and Sean said like this this need not be the ceiling of it like you know that he feels that, that there's more in the team I suppose it's very early to be talking about 
that now, like, but you know, it, look, yeah, sure. I mean, look, you, you know yourself when you're going, yeah, well, yeah, try and keep yeah. it going as long as you can. And yeah, you know, come to championship, we'll take a break, you know, we'll go back training in April. We'll get to the championship, we'll get to the you know, you know, you can go as far as you could next year. We just, when the momentum goes, it's very hard to get it back, so we'll yeah. keep this going as long as we can. Yeah, it's Ron Duran there speaking uh, in the bowls of uh, Croke Park last night. You could hear the, the celebrations in the Ballygiblin camp going on as they were crowned All Ireland champions last night, and uh, certainly celebrations certainly well deserved. A year on from that heartbreak against Mooncoin, and now to come back and to win the All Ireland title, incredible stuff uh, from the men from North Cork. Uh, let's hear from Ballygiblin's Mark Keane. It's absolutely unbelievable. The dressing was absolutely rocking inside there. Inside there. Um, it's actually, we won the All Ireland with the school, but uh, that definitely tops that. It's absolutely unbelievable. So it's the first All Ireland with the club to come back to Michigan. So the school was the CBS, was it? CBS, yeah, we won the Football. All Ireland in 2016. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This one definitely tops it. And. Tell us what was the mood like coming into Crow Park this evening, he says, against last year? Yeah, no, was different? Well, the thing that we had four, four new starters coming onto the team, it was all new for them. Just trying to bring them in, our experience, what we went through last year, so trying to gauge them in. And we knew coming today that uh, Eastgate were going to be exceptional, and, and they were outside there. They were a really tough team. They have 10 other fellas uh, playing for Sligo, and any fellas playing for an intercount team has a mentality, and um, which they did. Mm-hmm. You put the head down early on? Yeah, um, I was said I'd, I'd take a chance in the first couple of seconds. Um, looking up, I broke out, and uh, I would actually looked looked to my right as I was running through. And I said, "Dara, keep coming with me, keep coming with me." And um, he came along and looking up, we got to go all over it. Ah, she was the dream start, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was unreal, especially in, in the county final. That did that happen to us against uh, Tracton, and I uh, was just happy enough that it was, we got it uh, today. That was goal always on your mind. Was I mean you won the ball from the throw in? Yeah, I, I, remember, I actually remember the number six was actually up very high, and um, as I got the ball, I, I had a clean cut through run, and as, as I said, I looked at <laughs> Dara and I said, "Keep coming with me, Dara." And it's mad enough. I said that, and they're learning funny. But I just said, I just looked at him. I literally had a chat, and I said, "Dara, keep coming, keep, keep coming with me." And I just handed it off to him. So, yeah, I was happy. Out. How big a help, Mark, was it that you had the experience of, of last year and just kind of knowing not to be distracted by the occasion? Yeah, no, definitely. Like especially to Mooncoin last year, they're an exceptional team. We actually with a good chat. We were saying our best game last year was actually probably against Mooncoin. They were just an exceptional team. Um, but we had all the we had all the right things done before coming into today. Preparation was uh, top notch. So um, yeah, no, couldn't have any complaints with that. And half time, then I think you'd lead a lead a five. Like what, what was the what was the message? Well, it's just because. We were actually leading against Mooncoin by a point or two last year in the yeah. other final as well. So we just said we were here in this we were in this, this spot last year as well. So we didn't want to slip up again this year. So yeah. we just had to kick on those, so, which, which we did. Yeah, and like you always kind of look look to be in control of the game in the second half. And like we were saying to Sean, like it's your fifth game in a row since winning the county without conceding a goal. Like so, any team looking to kind of overhaul D knows they have to do something special. Like. Well, that's what we pride ourselves on. There's no goal, so um, yeah, uh, we we said if they don't get any goal, they won't outpoint us. But we said if they don't score any goals, um, we'll win this game. Yeah, yeah. Huge congratulations uh, to everyone involved with Bally Giblin as well. A touch of class as well. They had a banner out from for Paddy Palmer um, after the full time whistle. Just said this one's for you, Paddy. Really, really, genuinely classy stuff there from Bally Gibbon last night on the day they were crowned All-Ireland champions congratulations lads enjoy the celebrations um, we're going to talk Rebel Ogre early this week Sarsfield is presented with the Rebel Ogre award for December they were crowned under 16 Premier 1 hurling champions last year to make it a three in a row following their success at under 14 and under 15 level now is that the awards I spoke to manager Dennis Toomey 
Logue Award, I suppose it caps off what's been a memorable year and a memorable, I suppose, couple of years for you. Yeah, it's been a good few years for these lads. Um, they've worked very, very hard, um, have been progressively um, probably getting better. Um, had a good win again this year. Um, I had a, have, I suppose, gave us a very good game in the final. Um, but we had a really tough um, run to the final as well. The Douglas game was really, really close. Um, real hard battle, but the lad showed a lot of character and passion and good hurling to get over the line in that. Is that something, I suppose, that winning has brought and that closeness and that bond in the team? Um, yes. I mean, I suppose there's a, there's a really good sense of work rate about this group. Um, we may not have too many, let's say, outstanding individuals, but we've got a very, very good team work rate and a good work ethic um, for this group of players. You're not crowned champions, I suppose, three years in a row without this team very, being very special. What is it about the team that's made them gel and made them click and made them into this special outfit? Um, we've had a very good coaching group that's looking after this for a few years. Um, Mark Austin has been the head coach for a number of years and has been able to support as well. But I think Mark has been really critical in probably playing a, a certain brand of hurling um, that these guys, uh, you know, they reflect kind of what his coaching style is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that has been instrumental really over the last few years. Underage success, of course, vital for, uh, for any club, I suppose, as well. And to have success three years in a row is fantastic for Sars. Um, it is. Um, but I think it's really important to try to uh, transition that then into the adult club. Yeah. And, um, That's the trick really, isn't it? it? It is. And there's, look, there's a lot of work in that. And it, I think that there, is, there needs to be a real club focus on that. And there, there has to be strategy around it, how you integrate those players. Because a lot of times these guys are playing with their friends. And then when they start moving up into the adult ranks, how you manage that and you transition them so they're not um, feared fear of, of, of the change and also um, they have a lot of other um, demands as well between work and college and possibly girlfriends etc yes. so it's trying to get that ongoing commitment that's there and the dedication um, for there I'm just warning the, the, the parents of the lads as well because without them I mean like bringing them to matches bringing them to training you wouldn't have the team you wouldn't have the, the players every week Ah, yeah. I mean, like, the parents are, are, are... It's critical to try to keep the communication going with them. Um, you know, we try to keep the parents, obviously, on side all our times because they're critical for bringing them to matches on time with changing weather and things like that. We're, we're you know, we're asking them to be very, very flexible. And, um, you know, we have, a, in fairness, we've got a good um, rapport with the parents. We don't always get it right as well. And then we try to, when, when, we, when we make mistakes on the line or for whatever, we try to acknowledge that and work with the parents as well. Like, we're, as a grouping, as a coaching group, we're learning as well. You know, we don't, we, we, have, a, we have a lot to go, but um, I think what we've done, it. we've had a few little milestones under our belts as well <laughs> yeah. so far. Even just watching the lads interact there, they seem like a very close bunch. I'd imagine they're raring to go again this year. Um, yeah, they're raring to go. I mean, we've been looking after this group now since they were from, from seven-year-olds. Um, we um, haven't started back yet, but we'll be starting back shortly. Um, and they're, they're keen, to get, keen to get back. We have a few new faces coming, coming in as well to kind of freshen up, a few new voices, um, and maybe provide a different perspective for these lads because, to be quite honest, they're worth it. They're a, they're a very, very good group of players. Um, they really work hard for us, and once they keep doing that for us, 
as a group of coaches we'll keep putting in for them as well and they have to be honoured here by Rebel Ogue today for the monthly award it just kind of caps off I suppose a great year for you uh, it's great to be acknowledged it's very nice to be acknowledged um, for this group of players um, you, you know some respects might be a bit unexpected but um, we, we appreciate it nevertheless getting getting that acknowledgement um, but we also don't want to get carried away by it but because there are, there are a good number of clubs that are, could be winning the next year's Under-17 Championship. So we have to prepare hard and prepare well and, and work as a unit to kind of maintain that standard. The big red bench on Cork, Shred FM. Congratulations indeed to Sarsfields on winning the Rebel Oak Award uh, for December. The annual awards uh, taking place this coming Friday night. Uh, what should be an absolutely cracking night will, of course, be there. Joe McCarthy, Colm Sullivan, on presenting duties on the night. Aidan Lee, he's going to be there as well to get uh, some reaction from the winners. So you'll hear that on Saturday's show. Going to take a quick break. When we come back, very special stuff. The first episode of Hear Me Roar, a brand new series with Cork legend Valerie Mulcahy as she speaks to former professional golfer Lisa McGuire. That's up next. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Just coming up on full time in the North London Derby, Spurs and Arsenal 2 is how that is going to finish. It's waiting on the referee to, to blow the full time whistle there. Now, uh, first episode of Hear Me Roar. This is a special new series that I've been working on with uh, Cork legend Valerie Mackay over the last um, couple of months now at this stage. Um, Valerie, of course, uh, needs no introduction. One of the finest athletes this country has ever produced. One of the finest footballers this country has ever produced. And the role of honour in All-Ireland six All-Stars like it's just incredible what Valerie has achieved and now she's uh, turning uh, her hand to becoming a host and is um, presenting Hear Me Roar on Cork's Red FM she is going to be talking to six athletes over the next six weeks uh, about their careers their ups their downs their highs their lows what motivates them what keeps them going and what they do outside of their sport episode one is with Lisa McGuire, the former professional golfer, uh, twin sister of Leona, and who is now full-time in UCC studying dentistry. So this is the very first episode of Hear Me Roar with Valerie McCahey. What makes sportswomen tick? What motivates us? What inspires us? Who is the person behind the athlete? My name is Valerie McCahey. I'm a 10-time All-Ireland winner with Cork and a six-time All-Star. Now I'm turning host and talking to some of Cork's greatest sports stars or those who have a strong connection with Cork. In this series, I'm speaking to six inspiring athletes to find out their answers to these questions. This is Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy. I got the eye of the tiger of fire Dancing through the fire Cause I am a champion episode is with a trailblazing Irish golfer who has since retired from professional golf and turned her hand to dentistry. Hi, I'm Lisa McGuire, former professional golfer, and you're listening to Hear Me Roar with Valerie McCahey. Lisa and her twin sister Leona 
were trailblazers for women's golf in this country. Lisa is now full-time at University College Cork, studying dentistry. We spoke about her origins in the sport, how she knew it was time to step away, her relationship with her twin sister Leona, and much more. But first, she told me how she's settling into her new home on the banks of the Lee. So far, so good. Starting to feel a bit more like home away from home, I suppose. Um... Yeah, so first year wasn't down here at all. Last year was the first year settling in, so definitely starting to find my feet more more and more. So what are you studying in college that brought you here? Dentistry for my sins. Okay. Tough, is it? Um, it's not too bad. I suppose coming back into college after being like out of it for a while was tough, trying to get settled back into it, uh, get back into the swing of things. But um, no, starting to find my feet more and more. Um, there's lots of Canadian students over that are kind of more my age that so was kind of nice kind of settling back in I didn't feel like yeah. it was absolutely ancient um, compared to everyone coming out of leaving cert but um, no little by little getting getting stuck in this year's a lot more practical so um, yeah no taking it as it comes but you've already done four years in America? I've already done four years so this is year seven in college yeah so okay. I just can't seem to get get away from it so I suppose bringing it back to where where golf began like was it in your DNA or how did you set out playing golf? No, I mean, it, it probably was the furthest thing that was kind of in the beginning. I suppose dad was, well, he still is, a huge, huge sports fan. And sport was something that kind of we grew up kind of right in the middle of at home. Um, but it was like, it was everything else other than golf. Like dad played golf, but it was the last thing that myself or Leona wanted to do. We thought it was very uncool. It was it was a game for old people. Um, and we'd much rather play football. We did a lot of swim and like basically everything else that, you know, involved a, a ball or a stick. But um, no, I mean, one year, I think we were maybe 10 at the time, I fell, broke my elbow, ended up kind of carrying a little bit, lost a bit of range of motion. And, and the specialist was like, listen, you're going to have to do something or you're going to lose the range of motion in that arm and dad was like you know what I've been trying to get them out for years to play golf specialist said tennis and I think dad translated that to golf <laughs> um, brought us up on the, the small partry course Steve Russell and that was kind of that was kind of it my god so it's amazing how you fall into things and Leona have a last thank did she probably push it she did I was good that was the kind of the thing I suppose that was the first real individual sport we kind of played um, so it was kind of nice the fact we had each other I suppose when we were growing up we did everything together so even though it was me that had the broken arm and needed to get the motion back it was kind of a it was a paired activity I suppose wherever I went she went so um, it was kind of nice that we had each other it was something that everybody else didn't have Life on the road as a pro golfer can be a tough and even a lonely existence living out of a suitcase in a different hotel room each week, rushing from one tournament to the next, all the while trying to fit in gym work and rest. Lisa admits her schedule was gruelling. Like, what I found fascinating is when I went to Tremoland and uh, one of the girls was... So that she had her own... She didn't have a caddy, mm. so she was carrying her own golf bag. It's quite a heavy golf bag and Tremoland is a long yeah, course. Yeah, course. <laughs> long course, you're like, leave turn to play it on the pro-am, but... She had carried her bag. It was about five and a half hours. She was after coming in and we were t- chatting to her. Um, lovely girl, Anna from Spain. And she said she was going to the gym to do a workout and stretching and stuff. Mm. And I was just like, is rest not more important here? But like the life of a pro, yeah. like, can you give us a glimpse of it? Because I know many people have ambitions of being pro at something, but maybe the glamour, they, they think it's all glamour. What's it really like? And what maybe what turns you off it essentially? Yeah, I mean, I suppose, you know, a lot of people assume that golf is kind of, you know, it's 
a tournament's played on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Saturday, Sunday, if you're lucky. Um, but in in reality, it's kind of it's more of like a week. One week runs into the next week, runs into the next week. So kind of if you're starting out, let's say coming from home, heading right to a tournament, chance that you're flying out there Sunday night, you're or early Monday morning, you're picking up your rental car, you're driving to the tournament, you're probably playing a practice round again. You're if you're on some of the kind of the mini tours, you're you're definitely carrying your own golf bag. You're doing anything, I suppose, to save as many costs as you can. You're practicing Monday. Um, you're probably playing holes. You're maybe going to the like you said, going to the gym in the afternoon. You get up Tuesday morning. You do the same again. You play. You practice. Go to the gym. Do whatever you need to do. Wednesday you usually play a pro am of some sort. Um, <laughs> That's <laughs> where like, yeah. um, But yeah, you play a pro am on the Wednesday, and then everything kicks off on the Thursday. And you kind of you play Thursday. You play Friday if you make the cut. You play Saturday Sunday. And I suppose if you don't make the cut, you spend Saturday and Sunday practicing. You know, for the next week that's coming and literally when things finish up on the Saturday night, you get in your car, you either go to the airport and you drive to the next one and everything starts again on Monday. So there's no real, you know, break as such. And, and there's at times, you know, when we were playing in the on Symmetra Tour over in the US, you might drive seven, eight, nine hours from one event to the next event um, and you just repeat it again. And I suppose that's the thing when things are going well, you can, you know, you take time off and you're easier on yourself. If things aren't going well, you're literally going 24-7 one week into the next week and I suppose it, it just ends up in a vicious cycle you don't take time off and you feel like you need to you know do more when less sometimes is more Oh I understand <laughs> and did you experience burnout? Oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah no definitely I suppose it, it definitely got to a point um you know, you felt exhausted, but you couldn't sleep. I suppose that was kind of what it got for me. I was like, I was tired. I didn't know what was wrong. But at the same time, I knew I needed to work hard. I, you know, that was never something that I resented. I always got up and, and you know, if the day before hadn't gone well, I try and like rectify it and feel like I had to find something the next day. And then I'd, it's, it's grand. I'll find it tomorrow and I'll find it tomorrow. And then, oh, I found it, lost it, found it, lost it. And I, I think it's, it becomes a cycle where you just kind of, you're going chasing your tail round and round and round. And it just, it's a never ending cycle. And it does, it ends up in, in a burnout where you kind of, you don't know where you are, what you're doing. And um, it's but, easy to kind of lose yourself in that, I suppose. But like, who's there to look after you in those moments? Like, who's there on the tour that, that can tell you, like, Lisa, you just actually need to step back or there's actually nothing wrong. Maybe it's just mm-hmm. you're overthinking it yeah. or you're trying to compensate or you're nearly searching too much. Yeah. yeah. So like, is there anyone around that that is kind of the go-to person or, or do you have to hire those people? No, I suppose a lot of a lot of people would probably look to like maybe a sports psychologist. I suppose that's that's kind of up to you. Some people do, some people don't. Um, or again, it's just having a good group of like friends around you. Like there's a lot of girls out there that are doing life on tour for I don't know how many years at this stage, kind of doing the same thing year in, year in, year out. And I suppose that's nice that they have kind of the shared experiences and everyone's in the same boat. Like everyone's not going to have an amazing year every year and you'll always have weeks that kind of you can, can rely on people and be in the same boat as, as people. But um, I suppose it's just, it, you know, when you're going back to a hotel room or going back to an Airbnb, whatever else it is, and things aren't going well, you know, it does seem like a very lonely place and you can seem kind of like you're a million miles away from something when you're actually not that far away. You know, sometimes it's, it's you're only one good round away from kind of turning things around. But um, yeah, no, it definitely can. You can feel like you're you're a million miles away and kind of, you know, in a bad spot. A lot of young people who take it up tend to be turned off by, it, by, by their late teens, maybe, or there's a big dropout rate. I wonder is some of that to do with the individuality of the sport and 
maybe it's the way it's so isolated and it is so much in your head too isn't it yeah no I think that's definitely it I mean it's so much nicer to be able to go even to football training or soccer training or basketball training whatever it is there's like a good group of people there you go with your friends and you know you have the crack and you get stuck in and do whatever you need to do when you're there but I suppose golf just doesn't necessarily have that same social element and I suppose again that was the same thing for us when we were growing up we were the only two girls that were playing at our club only well some of the very few people of our own age even so yeah we played with the boys and whatever else but it just it didn't have the same maybe appeal as it would to to go to football training or camogie training or whatever it was so I, I definitely think that plays a huge role I think it's got better now over the last couple of years there's definitely more and more younger people playing but it's definitely something that does um, affect people playing you know the the loneliness of it I suppose and the individuality of it yeah. it's um, it's just not doesn't quite have the same appeal as the team dynamics Do you understand the significance of yourself and Leona's impact that you've had on young people and, and getting them into a game that maybe you saw when you were younger as an old person sport? Yeah, I think so. I suppose for me, I suppose even a couple of weeks ago, going down to Drumolan to the Irish Open, I mean, it was the first time I was back in 10 years. And to even see the progression of, you know, the crowds and maybe the, the demographic of the crowds that was out there. There were so many more young girls out there. There were so many... Um, so much more of a younger crowd I suppose it wasn't like your stereotypical you know middle-aged men women kind of retirees that were out watching it was a huge cohort of young people and I suppose that was nice to see to see how far it has come and you know even I see how many letters and and messages Leona gets from young girls saying that you know that they're, they've started playing golf because of Leona and and whatever and so I mean that's pretty special to see that it has come a long way in even the last 10 to 15 years you know. Lisa's twin sister Leona continues to play on the LPGA Tour, winning her first tour title last year, the Drive-On Championship in Florida. I asked Lisa, what is it like being constantly mistaken for a twin, as well as the intricacies of being a twin? At the moment, Leona's, you're probably compared to her, you can see yourself and her, but how, how do you deal with that on a day-to-day when you actually see yourself nearly in front of you? Um, and everything, maybe there's a comparison that's often made or your family make without knowing it or I don't know what, you know, the complexities yeah. that I must, that must come with being a twin. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's the question that people always ask is like, what is it like to be a twin? And I suppose my initial answer is, well, like, we don't know any different. And I suppose, too, that's, again, what I've just said there. I, I refer to things a lot as we, you know, we did this, we did that. We went here when we were here. And I suppose... Um, it's only in kind of more recent times when we've kind of the paths have kind of diverged slightly that you know it's I did this and I did that and she did this and she did that so I, that definitely takes takes a little bit of time to get used to but I think um, no I mean we we get on really well we still get on really well and I think kind of the way I talk and the way she still talks is just a byproduct of spending so much time together um, you know a lot of people think that we think the same and we kind of we tend to maybe finish each other's sentences but I think that's just a byproduct of like spending so much time with each other but um, no I suppose growing up we kind of we did everything together you kind of had that built in best friend and I suppose that was kind of the nice thing you never felt like you were going anywhere by yourself or you yeah. never felt you were kind of alone and that was a huge help when we kind of moved to the state over to college kind of you had someone with you everyone else was kind of homesick and whatever as far as we kind of had each other and it felt like normal you know yeah but did you ever want to just go do you know what I think I want a different experience I want to go somewhere else was that ever across your mind I suppose it, it probably didn't at the time probably looking back on it now I suppose my, would it have been a good thing it might have been you know I suppose now 
the last couple of years I've kind of started more to figure out who I am rather than who we are you know um, and I suppose that just takes time and I suppose that's part and parcel of kind of growing up and, and finding your own way but um, yeah no it's definitely I suppose if it hadn't have been the best option for college it was the best option that I was the best college for golf it was good for school um, so it just kind of did fit that way but I suppose it would have been very interesting to see if you know if she'd have preferred to go to school on the west coast and I'd have preferred a school on the east coast I think we would have done it I think it would have been tough um, in the beginning I suppose but um no, it, it definitely, sometimes I do think about it, it would have been an interesting sort of experience and see yeah. how it would have panned out. Lisa announced her retirement in late 2019, in just her second year on the Pro Tour. She had missed the schedule, along with frustrations about not being able to develop her game as much as she would have liked, led to her decision to retire. What made you say, look, I th- actually, I'm, I think I'm done? Yeah, I, I, I suppose it probably came, it was towards the end of, I think it was 2019 at this stage, and I you know, had gone from week to week to week throughout Europe, kind of done a bit in the US. And I suppose, I remember when I'd come back from a, I think a plane in Spain maybe, and come back to the room by myself and I was thinking, I I was after looking up the girl that I played with and she'd been out on tour for a number of years and she was, I think she was 35 maybe and she'd been out on tour like 15 years or whatever and I could see what she was doing and like she was still playing away, playing away, doing her rest, trying to rest and I was kind of like, you know what, I was like, I don't want to be in that position. I don't want to be, you know, in 15 years kind of banging my head against the wall and kind of having regrets that way. So, um, you know, it never got to a point. Some people get to a point where, you know, they resent the game and they resent everything they've put into it and feel like it was a waste of their time. I suppose I never got to that to that point and I kind of always promised myself that I wouldn't get to the, that point, that I wouldn't get to a point where I was like, I absolutely hate this and I absolutely resent the people that, you know, did so much for me. And, you know, when I got to the point where I was like, you know what, there is, you know, there's life outside of golf, there's life beyond golf and I can be happy doing other things. Um you know, it came to that point where I was like, you know, I, I do need to step away from kind of my own sake before I kind of bury myself into a hole that I'm not going to get out of. So, um, no, and I suppose it kind of came around quite quickly. I played um, the World Invitation and Gal Gorman. I was kind of like, you know what, this is this is a nice one to finish on. And it's probably, it was one of the events that I enjoyed the most, you know, in in the series of those years was, was kind of the last one. I felt like I could enjoy it a little bit more. I kind of felt like there was less pressure off and just kind of enjoyed the walk kind of as it was. What do you think your biggest strength was as a player? Not in terms of, like, say, putting, which I know mm. you're very strong at. Um, but what was your biggest strength? Um, I suppose just... The, even... Going back, like day in, day out, just getting up the next day and kind of going back at it again. I suppose there was a game like golf, there'll always be more bad days than good days, there'll always be more bad shots than good shots. But being able to, you know, yesterday was a bad day, not a good day, and still getting up the next morning. Perseverance. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, having another go and thinking that it's still only one shot away. How are you going to enjoy golf now where, you know, you can change your mindset on it essentially? It's not going to be a stressor, I hope, yeah. <laughs> for you. So. How are you going to approach golf now? Now that you're back in love yeah, with it, yeah, I suppose that was that was the thing. That was the hardest thing was you know from going literally practicing ten, twelve hours a day to kind of you know what I don't actually have to practice. I'm not going to go out and like hit balls and hit balls and hit balls. But then when I go out and play, I still have the same level of expectation that I had when I was you know playing seven days a week and playing you know for ten hours a day. You know, and I suppose it's managing those expectations and seeing that you know what. 
I don't need to hold this push to be able to pay rent or, you know, have enough money to enter the next tournament or can I just go about my daily basis? You know, it's now something that I do for fun, do for enjoyment and do because I want to actually be there. Um, so, yeah, no, I think I think that takes time. Am I there yet? Probably not 100%, but we're getting there. Good. When was there or was there a defining moment when you said, do you know what, I think I can give this a go? When, when was there that light bulb moment that, yeah, I'm actually good enough? I'm really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I suppose, I think it was maybe 2011, I think we were 16 again. It was in that TY year where golf was kind of everything. Um, played a European European championship out in Holland. Um, had a course record, was kind of leading going up the last day and I ended up winning, I think, by five in the end. But it was like, it was, I suppose, that light bulb moment where, you know, you walk onto the range on even on a practice or tournament day and kind of people look around and they're like oh you're here and you're just like you know you, you necessarily you wouldn't have done it for anyone else but like that sort of you know that you had kind of a persona or that sort of you know presence yeah like. not sort of fear factor but you know when you kind of stood up in the tee and you kind of put your hand out to the competitor that you know you're like oh I have this and I suppose <laughs> that was the that was the kind of the thing when you had that sort of confidence without necessarily knowing like you didn't have to build that it just the confidence came from knowing you know what you know I'm I'm good at this and you know I'm going to shoot a good round um, and not kind of having to worry you didn't I'd never had a sleepless night they being like oh will I play well tomorrow will I not yeah you were nervous because you wanted to do well but you, at, at that you kind of had that quiet confidence that you know what I got this and I'm good at what I do Talk to me about your parents and maybe the influence they have I know you spoke about your dad getting you into golf and, and your interests I, I had the pleasure of meeting them at Drummond mm. and your mom was telling us I've never played golf <laughs> No, I mean, Mam's the most. She won't mind me saying this. She's the most unsporty, uncoordinated person you've ever met. And like, even still down through the years, everyone will always say, "Whichever, would you ever take up the game? Would you ever play better golf?" And she's no more interested in the man in the moon. But she'd follow us, you know, to the end of the world, kind of walking around golf courses. And she's picked up all the lingo, and she'll add her two cents in now. Just over the last fifteen years, haven't picked it up. But um, no, Mam was great. She was kind of always the, would not having a sporting background. She was kind of more there just as a. Sport support structure more than anything else you know to put her arm around you after you know a tough day and be like do you know what it's only golf for his dad was like you know dad was more the sporting side of things and more the coaching side of things and always had feedback on the way home or whatever else but um, no mum was kind of was there for everything else and she was great to kind of um, even the logistics of it all she always had everything done and always had the clothes washed and the food ready and the lunch packed and everything else so um, you know it does it do, really does take a village to get you where you want to get I think so and it does require maybe a bit of um, foresight on parents' parts. Like I know mine were, were they built like a tennis court that turned mm. into soccer pitch, really, <laughs> and GA pitch, and like a basketball court area. And we were looking enough to have land for that. But um, your situation is a little bit similar, mm. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I suppose that was the thing when we were starting to play more full time and can we were in school and dad would bring us to the driving range in the evenings, the floodlit driving range in the evenings. And I think we were definitely probably in first or second year at the time. And, you know, the winter evenings were cold. And we do, again, we have a field up the back of the house and dad had kind of rummaged and got these uh, wooden pallets um from the hardware shop or whatever that they weren't using and he got two mats and he'd he'd set them outside and I'll, I'll never forget they're in the back street outside the house and he'd set them the wooden pallets put the mat on top of them threw them outside the back window of the house so that the light was coming out from the kitchen <laughs> and we'd hit balls from the wooden pallets up into the backfield so you could hit them maybe 120 yards up into the backfield out of the house and Leona 
we'd go out there every evening, every evening, put the coats on, right? And it was absolutely Baltic. And Leon actually ended up getting pneumonia. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> I think that Chris's mum was kind of like, you know what, this is actually madness and this has to stop. <laughs> so I suppose at that time, dad probably give him credit had the foresight to he put up a shed outside the back of the house and um, they remortgaged the house um, to build the shed so that we'd have somewhere to hit out of so that the bays were kind of two mats side by side were enclosed shutter doors so that we could hit up the backfield so I suppose that's the sacrifice that they made um, to kind of you know make sure that we had at least the opportunity to kind of pursue pursue our dreams kind of on a bigger stage but yeah no that was that was a uh, Definitely one to remember. Oh, when did you start to appreciate that level of dedication on their part? I suppose it's probably only, you know, now even, kind of when you're looking back. And I suppose at the time you kind of don't see, you don't see the sacrifices. I suppose mom and dad never went on a holiday for the 15 years that we were kind of, you know, they were trotting around the globe with us and every kind of penny went towards, you know, bringing us to tournaments and making sure we had all we needed to have. And um, I suppose it's only now that it's kind of nice to see, um, you know, them being able to enjoy it. And again, like when Leona plays in Tremoland and Leona plays in Galgorm, it's kind of nice that they're able to kind of come for full circle and to be able to kind of look after them a little bit more the same way as they did us kind of growing up. What advice would you give yourself now? If you were 10, get, yeah. what, what, would you give, what, what would you give your 10 year old self? What advice would you give them? I suppose as, as 10, it was probably quite a shy 10 year old. I suppose there was, you know, sport, school, there, was no, there wasn't a huge amount else happening, I suppose. Then kind of going into secondary school, I suppose, just to not worry what other people thought and kind of just kind of beat to the end of your own drum, I suppose. When, even when we were playing golf, golf was a bit weird, you know, at that time, kind of, you know, why would you play golf when you could play football or you could play anything else and do what everyone else is doing? And I suppose at that time, too, there was a lot of things that we probably missed out on. There was a lot of things you couldn't go to because you were going to golf or you were away for a week and this and that but um, I suppose at the time we didn't really see it we enjoyed the golf and we looked forward to the trips and everything else and we didn't really see it as a sacrifice but um, yeah no there was definitely times where you'd be like oh I wish I, wish I could go that or why do I have to go home early because we have to go to such and such tomorrow but um, yeah I suppose it's just it's the same as any sort of teenager kind of you know if it if it's what makes you happy go for it and don't let anybody else kind of tell you otherwise Solid advice and would you alter that any bit for your 20 year old self? Yeah, heading into yeah. their 20s <laughs> they're still in yeah I suppose I suppose you could still continue that sort of that sort of mantra kind of as you go into your 20s I suppose everybody's just trying to find themselves a little bit in, in their 20s and I suppose that was the thing too when you move halfway across the world you know to go to college away from home for the very first time you know that you kind of have the the opportunity I suppose to reinvent yourself somewhat so um, yeah no I suppose that was that was the nice thing we kind of had that opportunity to kind of you know, a little bit more freedom, a little bit more independence, decide who you want to be and kind of who you are as a person and have that sort of um, experience. So, um, yeah, you know, do I, I often think sometimes, do I regret going to college in the States? Probably not. It gave me a lot of other experiences that I necessarily wouldn't have had if I'd have stayed here. Before we wrapped up, I asked Lisa if there was anything she'd like to ask me. And I also asked my students at Gwil Claustrofer AG to come up with a question for her. If you met, let's say your 15 year old self now, walk in the halls of, of the secondary school and if she met you now would she be proud of what she sees and what you've done? I'd hope she'd be proud yeah because um, as a young 15 year old yeah I wasn't confident in myself and who I was I guess a lot of that came with my sexuality but I was confident and most comfortable on the pitch so sport helped me a huge amount with that but I would definitely have said it's okay to be you and just embrace yourself and 
you know, be kind and you'll be fine. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> I have one other thing. So each guest is going to leave a question for the next guest, mm-hmm. not knowing who that guest is. Yeah. And I've done a bit of um, questioning uh, some students and teachers and my staff. So I've got the first one for you because you're our first guest. So the question is, have you ever felt spoken down to because you're a female? So has someone spoken down to you like a coach or a male coach, maybe or a broadcaster or someone in the realm in your few years, short years in playing golf? Yeah, I suppose um I suppose golf is one of those sports that's still very well, you know, considered more elitist, I suppose, than more sports and I suppose um even growing up there was there were certain golf courses where as a woman you couldn't play, you had to be invited to play or you could only play with your husband or whatever else. Um and there was a couple of times we went to, to courses and they used to have a we had an event over in Scotland, over in Troon, um, Royal Troon where um there was two golf courses, so Royal Trains, the main golf courses on the British Open Road is across the road and the Portland course, which is considered the women's course, is kind of the other side of the road. Um, and I suppose we'd, we'd gone there one day and we just, we'd kind of arrived and you normally when you'd arrive, you go into the pro shop just to check things out and get a yard book and, and whatever. And dad was with us at the time, it was myself, Neon and dad. And um, we kind of, we were walking up to the clubhouse and this kind of man came out to the clubhouse and he was like, uh, to dad, he was like, yeah, you can come in. But like, he was like, the two girls have to wait outside, they're not allowed into the clubhouse. And Dad was like, "What do you mean they're not allowed into the clubhouse? Is it like an age thing or whatever?" He was like, "They're they're whatever age. I think we were maybe sixteen at the time." He was like, "No, no, this is just it's it's men only." And again, Dad was just kind of like, "I don't know what we've got ourselves in for." And th- there's been a couple of events like that where it's like, or even recently enough, we were over in Florida. This is maybe just before COVID. I'd say so. Twenty twenty, we're talking about where we'd gone into a clubhouse down in Florida. There was golf on the TV, and we'd gone in for something to eat. I think it was after a round or whatever. And Leona, it was myself, Leona, and Leona's caddy, and we were going to sit and watch the golf. And kind of, we'd taken a seat in the restaurant, and this lady comes over and she was like, "I'm actually going to have to ask you to leave." And we were like, "Oh, sorry, whatever is is the table reserved?" And she was like, "No." She was like to Leona's caddy to Gary. She was like, "You can stay, but the two girls can't." So it was like a men only sort of like area within the so it's it's still there's there's still a lot of that um in golf it's definitely got better you know the the likes of the women's british open was at muirfield this year for the first time ever they've only kind of recently started kind of accepting women members um and it's the first time that it's it's been on the women's british open rota so it is the tides are kind of starting to turn slightly but it's still there's very much still a a gender is there any left in ireland where it's male only is portman changed I think it. Uh, I'm. There was definitely a court case back a number of years back that kind of, and it the, to have the rule kind of overturned and it wasn't overturned. I think you can technically join. Um, I still don't know if it's kind of your husband has to be a member before or would you, you can want join. To join if they were like um, that. But yeah, no, there's still there's clubhouses still very much so. That's it's the ladies' clubhouse and there's the men's clubhouse and you can't go into the clubhouse unless you're invited by a male, um, which is kind of baffling in this day and age. Where would you like? women's sports to go I think maybe that's probably the answer is to have parity mm-hmm. but is there anywhere else where you'd like to see you know women excelling is there sport in general that women play Um, no I just I think the expectation that you know women can be professional athletes too and not just seeing it as you know it's 
that was the thing too I suppose in when we were in, in college in the States it was like it's it's women's golf and it's women's soccer and it's not just like golf and it's not soccer you had to like specify which it was and I suppose it'd be nice to see you know in the next couple of years whether it's just you know I am I'm a golfer I'm not a, a women's golfer I'm not a women's soccer player or whatever else it'd be nice to see that you know you're just as credible as kind of your male counterparts you kind of you work as hard um, and you deserve the same recognition it's not kind of looked down upon as lesser um, for essentially someone that puts in the same work and achieves the same sort of level of and success and is <laughs> exactly a huge thanks to Lisa for her time and sharing her story our next episode will air next Sunday and will feature Cork sprinter Louise Shannon at 21 years old I was still running the same time and you know that time wasn't good for a 21 year old or you know it, it wasn't going to get you to championships and things like that and um, so yeah so that was it was a really tough kind of five or six years for me and um, and then yeah then one day I did a race in Belfast and I took well I half the distance between my 208 and the Olympics so I took three seconds off my time in one race and um, but yeah I think those years were incredibly tough for me. Hear me roar was presented by me, Valor Mackay, and produced and edited by Rory O'Hagan for Cork's Red FM. Music was by the wonderful Jack O'Rourke. Thanks to my friends at mygames.ie who created a beautiful memento for each of my special guests. Gorev Magot as Clusa Hurt Domanov Agusbeg Mea Kaintlev Gulua. Slán. Yeah, how good was that? The first episode of our new series with Cork legend Valerie Mulcahy. Hear me roar. What a way to start. What an episode with Lisa McGuire. What a conversation that was between the two of them. Really, really enjoyed putting that together with Valerie. And we have five more to come. And as I said, next week, sprinter Louise Shanahan. Uh, really, really enjoy that. First time listening to it properly without looking for something to edit. And I thoroughly enjoyed that and I hope you enjoyed it too and thanks to Valerie for all the work she's put into that over the last while it's been an absolutely Trojan work from the 10 time on Ireland 10, 10 on Ireland incredible stuff but yeah episode 2 will be on next Sunday right here on Cork's Red FM that is it from us thank you very much indeed for tuning in it's the night before Red FM's big birthday we turn 21 years of age tomorrow plenty of cake and work tomorrow I certainly hope so or else I'm not coming in thanks very much for listening to us guys podcast online very very shortly indeed we're back next Saturday and three hours of the very best in Irish music coming your way right now with Mags Blackburn on Green on Red enjoy the rest of your Sunday night folks The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM